Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Binance Podcast. My name is Wee Joe. I'm the Chief Financial Officer for Binance. So, what I want to do with this show is to spend time talking to specialists, entrepreneurs, scholars, influencers, basically leading people from a variety of industries. Hopefully, through these conversations, we can share insights on how blockchain is changing not just these different industries, but also in changing the world. Here's a quick disclaimer: all opinions expressed by our host and our guests on this podcast are merely their own opinions. They do not imply any endorsements or opinions of their companies. You should not take these opinions as specific investment advice, as you will be solely responsible for your own investment. Hey everybody,、uh, welcome back to another episode of the Binance Podcast. This is We, and today I'm actually super, super excited to, to join my friend and then my current colleague,、uh, Nishal Shetty, who is the, the CEO and founder for、uh, Wazirx, the largest P2P exchange in India. I actually、uh, met Shaw、uh, when I actually led the acquisition of Wazirx by Binance. You know, we worked on that deal for a couple of months, and then I、uh, have been working more closely the last few months since the closing, and then、uh, leading to the IEO,、uh, the initial exchange offering on Binance for their Wazirx token,、uh, which has、uh, performed quite well since the IEO, demonstrating sort of the not necessarily demand, but more about sort of the the market's uh, interest uh, in the Indian marketplace. So today, I'm really happy to have Michelle on the Binance podcast.、Uh, Michelle, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Ray. Thanks for having me on the show. We'll get started. We basically have、um, the guests to come in to introduce themselves a little bit in terms of you know what's their background, how did they get into crypto.、Uh, so it would be it would be wonderful to sort of learn about your background from a personal and professional basis. You know, I started my career as a software engineer. I think that's one of the most.、Uh, Common professions in India, so nothing special out there. I just graduated from、uh, engineering college, got into a job, and a couple of years into that, I realized that you know it was a typical corporate job. I realized I wasn't cut out for that. The excitement wasn't enough for me, so I ended up joining a startup in India. And、uh, about a year into that, year and a half into that, I built my own product. It was more of a side project, a social media management app, which、uh, took off. It got Profiled on TechCrunch on the fourth day of launch, and、uh, from there it just took off, making me quit my job eventually, and to go full time with that. Then I grew that business,、uh, raised some venture capital, about two and a half million dollars, scaled it further, and around this time a lot of stuff was happening in the whole decentralization space and、uh, crypto, and、uh, that's when you know we can go deeper in the conversation ahead. But that's when I got into this whole、uh, crypto s- sector and、uh, decided to. Build Wazirx. So yeah, I'm an engineer by profession. Now I'm turned into an entrepreneur. I've been you know into crypto now around two and a half years full time into the, the whole crypto space. Yeah, what was it like to start to build your own business, like from just like a professional, like you know working for someone to basically building a product from scratch and then launching it and then seeing it getting traction? What was that like? This was probably like you're pretty young back then, right? Like just a couple years out of college. Yeah, I think I was 24 when、uh, this happened. So the idea was not to、uh, see. I think there are always these two set of thoughts:、uh, people who say I want to build something on my own, and then they start doing it. In my case, I was pretty active online as a blogger back then. I used to blog a lot about different products, and、uh, I saw an opportunity in building a social media management software back then.、Uh, it was very early days. Twitter had just come up with their API. It was like I think the Twitter API was just six months old. Apps were like really being built on top of it. 
was the product then to serve sort of the Indian market or is it to serve the global market? No, it was a global product. Anyone could use it because Twitter was a global platform. So mm-hmm. anyone in the world could use it. The idea was that people wanted to really grow fast on Twitter back in the day. I think even now they want to grow fast. But mm-hmm. they, but back then, I had built quite a few features into the product, which helped people grow organically. So a lot of uh, people started you know, using the app. In fact, Michael Arrington was one of the first people to use it. And he profiled it on TechCrunch when he personally mm-hmm. used the product. And that's what gave us like the jump start, I would say. I, mm-hmm. It was still my day job. So even though it got profiled on TechCrunch, I was like, you know, fine people build products they get featured nothing big and so the thought was not to quit the thought was to just continue doing this as a part-time saturday sunday weekend kind of a thing but after about eight months in it reached a point where uh, it had i think 200k users and it was paying me more in a month than my job was paying me in a year and uh, <laughs> so that i would say that was the point where i said you know probably i should go full time and I, you 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 go beyond your break even point <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah it was more organic for me rather than you know saying let's quit and start something uh, i just so got that, into that, it organic i mean that's that's actually pretty amazing though so were you physically in india then because because that's pretty amazing that you're actually serving a global audience on social media for a social media and app a tool but you basically you're running that operation out of uh, out of india yeah, I was out of India and uh, this product was one of those few from India because most of the startups in 2010-11 started uh, focusing on the Indian market because it was mm-hmm. just growing. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, mine was one of those few global products from India. Yeah, it was an interesting. But I think uh, always been a product first kind of a guy. So uh, this exposure gave me the opportunity to understand what's the best way to build a product at a global scale. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think good things happen. From our conversations, you're actually a very well-traveled person. Like you actually, you spent quite a bit of time in, in the U.S. and you spent quite a bit of time in Latin America as well. Yeah, after I quit my job, I still wasn't sure whether I should hire more people. Mm-hmm. And that's when I came across this opportunity in Chile, which was called Startup Chile. It was a very new program. In fact, I was part of the first batch uh, of this experiment that they started, where the idea was to invite 100 entrepreneurs from around the world to Chile so that they could uh, foster an ecosystem for startups in the country. And I applied and they li- liked what I was building. So they called me over. So I spent about mm-hmm. six months there, learned a bit of Spanish. Uh, but I think uh, I think what I learned more was the whole different perspective that people are from around the world gotten at that one single place. Mm-hmm. You're meeting 100 people from every country and every continent that you can think of. Mm-hmm. So that was an amazing experience. And that actually started my quest for uh, travel because I realized that uh, when you're when you're traveling, you're meeting new people with new culture and new mindsets. And that helps you understand what's the right way to build products for a global audience. And since I was building for a global audience, I thought traveling was important. And uh, yeah, that's how it happened. And then eventually, I, I think for three years in a row, I spent about three to six months in uh, San Francisco. And that again, I think San Francisco is like that melting pot of different cultures and different thoughts. So mm-hmm. that helped a lot. I think travel, I owe a lot to travel in terms of my perspectives of, you know, how to build products for the world, how people think in different regions around the world. Okay. How did you evolve from the previous product then into Wazir? Because I think a lot of it probably overlaps with your journey into Bitcoin or into crypto in general. Yeah. You know, it's uh, like I said, I think my journey has been so organic. It's never been mm-hmm. like, you know, let's do this. Uh, so mm-hmm. uh, since I built on top of these social networks around uh, 2017, these social networks had become so 
big and uh, they, most of them had gone public. They had to focus on the revenues rather than just the experience for their users. Mm-hmm. And that's when they started cutting off access to their APIs for all these third parties, including my product that I had built. Uh, this is the time I realized that uh, when they were growing, they used the developer ecosystem to grow. And when it came time for them to monetize, they were not shying away from cutting off this very developer ecosystem that they had fostered. The reason they could do this is because they had the control. And that's when, uh, you know, uh, me being a developer, I came across uh, the whole uh, blockchain space. And I realized that if I was to build something on top of blockchain, no one could come and tell me not do this or that. I could build it the way I wanted. Mm-hmm. And that was like that, you know, defining moment saying, you know, what was I doing in this centralized ecosystem? And there's an entire decentralized ecosystem out there. And that's how I got into crypto. I still didn't know what to build. I just knew that, you know, this is an amazing world where... Around, around when was this? This is like three years ago? 2016, yeah. 17-ish? Yeah, yeah. The end of 2016. Like, it all started in December 2016, Jan 2017. Okay. So you basically got burned by Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right? And you realized, like, holy crap, the centralized system sucks. Decentralization yeah. is way better. Yeah, it was not just Twitter, even Instagram. Oh. The, uh-huh. uh, the funny thing is, you know, if it was just one platform, you would say that's probably a blip in the whole grand scheme of things. But even Instagram did the exact same thing, by the way. Mm-hmm. They cut off quite a few APIs and they keep doing that every six months. It's a general trend in the centralized ecosystem, I think. Yeah, and you started exploring, I think, sort of decentralization and blockchain. Yeah, and I got into, like, at the beginning, I had quite a, you know, the thing is, once you get into blockchain, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, this is, like, still fresh in my mind, a new mm-hmm. person who gets in, there are like 10,000 possibilities in your mind when you look at the blockchain ecosystem. It's so new. It's mm-hmm. uh, just coming up. You're like, I can build this, that, and everything else around, under the roof. Then I realized that, you know, you have to focus and build what is needed today rather than building what might be needed five or 10 years down the line. I had a lot of projects back then, uh, the whole ICO madness that was happening. I saw a lot of them to be too futuristic for you know the present. Mm-hmm. So I looked at what can I build? And since I had the experience of building global products, I wanted to this time build something for the local market. Mm-hmm. And around this time, the prices of Bitcoin was like skyrocketed. Mm-hmm. So I tried buying uh, some Bitcoin and Indian sites were the only way you could do it because you wanted to buy it with fiat, your mm-hmm. INR. Yep. And when I used these products, and since I've been traveling, I've also used global products. Mm-hmm. So when I used the local exchanges and compared them to the global ones, I realized that the product experience lacked. It wasn't up to the market at all. Not even like uh, 50% of what you saw globally. Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized that if we w- wanted to get the adoption of blockchain and crypto in India, the first entry point, which is how do you convert, go from being a no-coiner or only fiat to crypto was exchanges. Mm -hmm. And if that product was bad, how can India with such a large audience ever get onto the whole decentralization ecosystem? Mm -hmm. And that motivated me saying that, you know, let's build the same global experience that everyone around the world is experiencing in fiat to crypto for India. Mm -hmm. And that's how we launched uh, Wazirx eventually in uh, uh, i think the idea took shape in december 2017 but we launched on march 2018 what was sort of like against that whole background uh backdrop of wazirx launching and then um sort of gaining traction is sort of what's going on in the larger uh market in india right yeah a lot of uh, you know interesting stuff mm-hmm. when we launched so when we decided that we would launch the bull market was at its peak Mm-hmm. And when we were launching, the bear market was just, you know, starting. 
in yep. March, I think. Yep. Uh, and uh, while that was fine because you know we, we didn't get in with the price as our motive, but decentralization mm-hmm. and crypto, the Indian Central Bank, which is the RBI, mm-hmm. they came up with a circular just three weeks into our launch, saying mm-hmm. very soon crypto exchanges will not be able to use bank accounts in India. Mm-hmm. They prohibited every exchange, and while uh, that might have been like a movement to just give up, I said uh, this is this is something I've faced before, like centralized staff entities coming up with their own you know set of rules so i said uh, we need to find a better way to you know not be uh, like going out of business just because your bank account stops what can we do and uh, that's when we realized that a peer to peer way for fiat transfer can also be built and then we launched wazir xp2p which uh, actually gave us the breakthrough in india so if you think about it the adversity that the indian crypto space Based, we converted that into an opportunity. But what happened to the exchanges that had existed before then? The ones that were connected to the banks, like, what, are they still around? Like, what, from my understanding, like India was actually, you know, pretty active, right? Some of these exchanges were actually pretty sizable. Yeah, so they had to. Uh, I think two of the largest exchanges had to shut down after this whole banking restriction came into place. I would simply say it's because they did not innovate. All they had to do was be fast and uh, you know look at what the situation was and come up with a solution, uh, which they failed to do. Us being uh, new and nimble, I think we could really you know adapt to those changing conditions. And if you look at it, that's how it's always been in the crypto in a startup space in general. That uh, companies come up. They don't, uh, you know, really transform themselves to the uh, situations, and then some other player comes in and becomes bigger than them. That's mm-hmm. always been the case. Social networks, uh, search, everything. So I think uh, in crypto, we've been able to do that in India. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, yep. good. Tell me a little bit about your product then. Like, there's a couple of things that I was really impressed by when I first started looking at it. One is basically how well sort of your product rated, especially on the app side. Because I think a lot of the exchanges out there, they're still predominantly like Web 1.0. It's still like a website-based kind of business, right? Absolutely. So before we were launching, uh, the surprising thing was uh, there was no exchange which had you know its presence on all the platform. Like either they had a website, no mobile app, or a mobile app, no website. Mm-hmm. So and in crypto, if you realize, uh, people. You don't have a choice on when you will trade. You know, the markets can change in the night. You're traveling, you're sleeping, you need a desktop. You're traveling, you need a phone. So we said we would build it on all platforms. But our focus was always mobile because India is predominantly a mobile first country. We have skipped the whole desktop revolution. We have onboarded ourselves to the mobile revolution. Mm -hmm. So we knew that uh, if we had to focus hard on one platform, that would be mobile. While we desktop app is amazing as well, but mobile was something that was like the first focus, and uh, that proved out right because uh, uh, when we were launching, we looked at uh, how the other mobile apps were. Nobody had an amazing rating, mm-hmm. and that's simply because you know you don't you don't focus on the product. People are not going to love it. You need to love your product first. So we yeah. said we will build something that we love, and that's when people started taking notice and the way people started rating it. I would say all that someone had to do was give a better experience, and we mm-hmm. did that for the Indian market. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing magical. It's just hard work, and uh, you know I think focus on what you want. Did your previous experience working on the previous platform, right, the social marketing platform, did that? How did that play into the the building and then the marketing for Wazir? 
Because one of the things that the second thing that I really noticed was uh, when we started talking to you is basically you've been on Twitter every day for almost a year and a half now. <laughs> it's, it's like that persistence. Pretty, it's pretty amazing. I think first thing, the experience of having built a product already, like our previous app, it's got over 5 million downloads on mobile. So there's a lot of uh, experience gained from that. That really helped in not repeating the same mistakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, talking about persistence, I think, I've been uh, an entrepreneur for now, I think, seven, eight years now. Uh, What I've realized that you might have great ideas, great products and great everything. But if you're not persistently, you know, focused and if you're not persistent in your work, you will never Mm -hmm. succeed. Mm -hmm. And uh, when this whole banking regulation, the banking restriction came in, I realized that someone had to take the call that we will fight for crypto in India. And uh, I started that, to be honest, I never thought that I would have to tweet every day. It's been, it's, a, it's 475 days now since I've been tweeting every day to uh, our government. I really thought it might be like a week or two before, you know, somebody replies or maybe it'll all be good. But mm-hmm. the path is really not easy, I think, mm-hmm. towards these things yeah. because it's regulation. Uh, governments can't take decisions on them. They'll have to be slow. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it's been continuing and now it's become a habit. Now I'm afraid, you know, what happens when India opens up? I need to stop tweeting that. You need to, you need to find a new cause. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can you actually talk a little bit about the WRX coin? Thing? See, I think, uh, you know, one of the biggest differences I've seen in the whole uh, centralized versus decentralized ecosystems is that your centralized ecosystems always benefited the founders and probably the employees and the investors but never the user base Mm -hmm. you look at the whole uh, decentralized ecosystem you realize that the user ecosystem the user base is in a position to benefit from the success of the products that they use and then they uh, share with their friends. Mm -hmm. And uh, this use case, I think is in fact, one of the killer use cases of crypto, which is involve your audience in the growth of your product and Mm -hmm. let them also benefit from that, not just use them and throw them away, but let them benefit from them. And this is where I realized that as an exchange also, we have to involve our audience. Mm And the best way was to have a native exchange token. And I think back when we were doing, I think BNB was probably the only one which has proven that this is something that will definitely work mm-hmm. if you involve your community. So uh, took you from uh, you know Binance and said, uh, if they've been doing it at a global scale, can we do this at the local scale in India? Because mm-hmm. India is a large market. And we launched WRX. The core idea is that the biggest use case is trading fee discounts. And because it's limited in nature, as the exchange grows, as India opens up, this token will be one of the most probably popular tokens. It's already popular in India. Mm-hmm. I think uh, as this ecosystem grows, I want the early adopters to benefit. And WRX is the best way for them to benefit. Mm-hmm. If they hold it, great. If they use it, they can use it on the exchange. That's great for them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was a thought process. Very simple. Involve the community. How did the community earn WRX? Did they have to buy it? Or like, what was the, because uh, I think what's really unique about the WRX is actually, basically you built it native into the trading platform from day one. Right. So uh, when we were launching, the ICO craze had like, you know, fizzled out by that time. Mm-hmm. But irrespective, we knew that we could build a ver- early version without having to raise capital. And we were doing that. Uh, but we wanted to make sure that we give WRX to our users in the right way. So the first way we did it was simply you could register, sign up, and you would be able to you know get WRX uh, reserved for you. Mm-hmm. And uh, after that, we 
brought in quite a few ways in which people could earn WRX. See, the way I see this is that you cannot employ 100,000 people in a startup on day one. Mm -hmm. But through your tokens, you can actually employ them in an indirect way, which was reward them. So we rewarded people for inviting their friends. We rewarded them for trading. We rewarded them for referrals. So we rewarded them in different ways. Uh, then we had competitions where we rewarded with WRX. And the best thing was the ones who believed in it, I think they're very, very happy about it today that they were the early adopters. Mm -hmm. And this somewhere, you know, this comes from my own experience. I've been an early adopter of quite a few products mm -hmm. which uh, went on to be big or acquired, but I never got the uh, advantage of being the early movers in those products mm -hmm. uh, because they were like, you know, the web 2.0. I think web yeah. 3.0 rewards the early adopters. Mm -hmm. We announced our transaction. I think we announced the, or Binance announced the partnership with WiseRx in around November. And then we've been basically working nonstop <laughs> in uh -huh. terms of products, features, and a lot of that work culminated in the, uh, the IEO for the, for the token um, earlier this month in February. What's your biggest takeaway from that experience so far in terms of actually seeing your token um, being coming, like to be traded on Binance and actually to be extremely positively well received? Because I think this is the second um, major token to come out of India, right? The first one is Matic and the second one is not WRX. Like what has that been like in terms of just seeing that excitement, I think, in the Indian crypto community now? Like even more so, I would say, than when Matic came out. Yeah, it's been overwhelming, I would say. You know, I never expected people to be, for WRX to be this well received, I never expected beyond my imagination. But when I look back now, I think it's expected considering uh, first thing Binance uh, acquired was Erex. And, uh, you know, Binance has such an amazing ecosystem. So which now we have access to as a Indian exchange, we have access to the Binance ecosystem. So it, and India is a sleeping giant, it's uh, right there it's it's just uh, about five to seven million people in india today into crypto but there's the potential for 100 million or 200 million people to be in it in over a period of time so all of these people when i've been talking to them they, they're the most excited about first is how can they help uh, crypto grow in india which is uh, very very motivating for me to hear from people around the world who are trusting wrx today and then the second is people realize that if India opens up, WRX is going to be that default exchange token here. So I think uh, these are the two important factors that motivates people the most. And the fact that uh, we've not been like a traditional, you know, just another exchange. We've always uh, tackled the, the regulatory environment and built the right kind of, I would say, solutions for the Indian market. So that speaks a lot about us not being here just for today. We are, we're building for a future in India and we've been like doing that from consistently from two years. So I think what helped for WRX is the fact that we didn't just go out and ICO'd. We first mm -hmm. built the product, built a revenue, even got acquired. And now we are, you know, going with an IEO on Binance, which I think uh, proves that the team is not just like a new, let's build a team together, let's ICO, but a team which has proven itself. So I think that was like a very uh, important factor in the success. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, my biggest takeaway is that, like, uh, I think we're actually doing a huge amount of service, right? Because I, I think you'll remember around the time when we first started, when we met, there was actually quite a large amount of FUD going around about how India is banning crypto, or even saying that it's banned in India, so there's no ownership. And, then, and what I found is really interesting is that the last, this iteration is we actually did a great job of educating the world about sort of the state of the crypto market in India, 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, now uh, I think, uh, and it's hard because you know the FUD is created by a lot of I would say misinformation in the media, mm-hmm. and for us to dispel that, it's never easy because we're just one voice out here. Uh, so this whole fact that when WRX launched, a ton of people started researching mm-hmm. and they started questioning. Uh, if you're in India, how, how are you in India operating when we mm-hmm. hear that it's banned? So mm-hmm. this, what you said is on point that this has, the WRX has absolutely helped us the myth of uh, Bitcoin or crypto being banned in India. It's not banned in India. Mm-hmm. And now I see a lot of people talking about uh, clarity. They, they talk about the fact that it's not banned in India. People are using Wazirx P2P mm-hmm. and uh, it's just a banking restriction, nothing more mm-hmm. than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, WRX has helped a lot in, uh, you know, I think dispelling all the FUD around uh, crypto in India. Yeah, and then the second major one is that I think is actually the the community is actually just starving for uh, they're like they're like just walking through the desert and just like starving for anything that is fresh and innovative and fun and exciting. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, see, I, we are all here to build the ecosystem, and uh-huh. uh, I think uh, you know for us uh, it's an opportunity I've never seen before because in the traditional internet it was all done when a lot of us became entrepreneurs and started building stuff. And in this decentralized world, we are probably the early movers and, uh, you know, it's fine. I think we all, someone has to give something positive to the market. And I'm glad that with Wazirx, we've been able to do that in India. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the, the last bit of news is, um, I think, something that you guys, uh, the Wazirx has actually been providing a lot of support for was actually the Supreme Court case, right? I, I don't know who, but I think the people actually took the RBI to court to question their ban on crypto. Right. That was the court case that took place, I think, a month ago. Yeah. So uh, after this court case uh, mm-hmm. was uh, filed by IAMAI, which is like the Internet and Mobile Association of India. Mm-hmm. And Wazirx is a part of that. We are uh, you know, uh, fighting the case indirectly through this organization, us and a few other exchanges. Yep. It's been going on for about, uh, I think, 18 months now. Since July 2018 or June 2018 is when this started. And... Uh, about a month ago, the final hearing was completely done. I think the lawyers from our end gave some really strong arguments around uh, why crypto should not be banned or why banking. In fact, it's not about crypto, sorry. It's more about why banking restrictions is you know, incorrect to the crypto ecosystem in India. And uh, now we are waiting for the judgment to come in. If the judgment comes in favor of uh, lifting the banking restriction, I think that will be like a watershed movement for crypto in India because then tons of people can come in faster into the ecosystem. You don't need to worry too much about a FUD or anything after that. Mm-hmm. If if not, then the status quo is maintained, which means we have to keep fighting this FUD of uh, Bitcoin banned in India and stuff. Mm-hmm. And we have to get people to continue using P2P Wazirx mm-hmm. P2P, which is amazing for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's just harder with the banking restriction, I would say. So we are hoping that the ban- banking restriction is lifted. Uh, it just clears all the misinformation in the country. Yeah, th- that's something pretty telling in two ways. One is uh, any other country, a regulator comes out with something, that's the law. Whereas in India, <laughs> the regulator comes out with something. Um, as an industry, you can actually go and take them to court. I think that speaks a, a lot about like I think the rule of law in India in general, which is something that I'm actually pretty amazed by. Oh yeah, I think it's a good thing, you know, to be, to be in this situation where uh, uh, regulators can put their point of view and uh, the industry can put its point of view. I think the 
advantage is the fact that crypto is such a news thing that none of the regulators can actually stake a claim to it exclusively mm-hmm. so, which you know this confusion helps in uh, ensuring that the technology gets its time to breathe and uh, the right kind of you know laws can be formed eventually mm-hmm. but yeah i think we've been able to do this in india where uh, we said that the banking restriction is not really a uh, right thing to do and uh, let's see i think uh, we'll know soon what the supreme court of india thinks about this is there an expected date when the supreme court will be announcing the decision uh, they haven't uh, really come up with a date yet but uh, we're hoping it happens uh, probably this month or the next but yeah it's they've not given a tentative date yet okay great well thank you very much for your time anything else you want to talk about i think in general we've covered a lot of things one of the things we've not covered which uh, probably i want to put across is the whole uh, we spoke about the binance acquisition of wazirx but uh, you know i think i want people to know what that has brought in for us which especially in india where it's a nascent market right now and it's beginning to grow getting the support of the binance ecosystem has helped the indian ecosystem a lot uh, in terms of i would say uh, while there's technological know how there's a uh, you know more exposure and all but i think the positiveness that this brought you should have seen the kind of you know tweets and stuff people was putting out when the uh, when we announced in november the acquisition mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of people told me that they are now much more positive about crypto in india so i think the biggest outcome of this in india has been like the positivity Mm-hmm. which has come in the crypto space i think that's something that would have never happened if uh, we hadn't built wazirx if we hadn't gotten acquired if we hadn't uh, partnered with binance i think uh, you know for the ecosystem this was a much needed uh, push i think in the right direction yeah i think i wanted to put this across to anyone listening and wanting to understand how india is as a market it's in a very positive mood right now i think Okay, great. Well, Nishal, thank you very much for your time. And we look forward to uh, seeing, you know, at least for me, seeing you personally more. And, uh, <laughs> and also, also, I think, uh, looking to see some of the really cool products and features and some of the stuff that we're going to do together. Hey, everyone, this is Wade. So um, we have a couple of uh, updates here. So we were actually going to release the, uh, the podcast that I had done with, uh, with Nishal uh, on uh, yesterday. But a big news came out yesterday uh, about the uh, ruling uh, with the Supreme Court in India that basically overturned a previous uh, previous Reserve Bank of India, India Central Bank's uh, ban on cryptocurrencies, uh, especially in terms of banning uh, financial institutions in India, especially banks in terms of uh, uh, banking with businesses uh, from the cryptocurrency industry. Um, with this uh a huge, uh, I think, huge and momentous sort of decision by the Supreme Court in India. Uh, I actually wanted to bring Ishal back and do a quick, uh, quick uh, wrap up or a quick catch up about the impact. Um, so, Ishal, thanks for taking the time to jump, uh, jump on. I'm sure you haven't slept at all in the last 48 hours. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's been a crazy uh, time now ever since the report came out. Um, it, I would state that this is like one of the most historic uh, moments for crypto in India. Uh, something at this scale has never happened. The uh, the RBI ban came in in April 2018, and we've been fighting this case in the Supreme Court ever since. Um, apart from this, we've been rallying on Twitter with the India Wants Crypto campaign, 
so it's an amazing um, you know movement for india in terms of all the hard work has now uh, given its results in a very positive way uh, we saw yeah. some m- massive user base you know activation after this because i think we talked a little bit about it last time can you tell me who are the people that's behind this case uh, and because i remember the hearing uh, was in front of the supreme court was about a month a month and a half ago right who are the who are the individuals um that 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 basically argue the case and then what was there what was sort of like some of the the key points that they made that you think that uh convinced the supreme court to reverse a a a basically a central banking decision and so this uh the case was uh, filed by IAMAI which is the internet and mobile association of india uh and wazirx is a part of that along with a few other exchanges uh it started with about five to six exchanges and down the line uh, because of the whole uh, conditions a few exchanges had to shut down uh but we continued we persisted the case was being up uh, uh, you know there there's nda which is nishit desai and associates they're part of the they're the law firm handling this but the lawyer in question who uh, did made the arguments was mr ashim sood and he had some really amazing arguments against the rbi circular which actually helped us win this case so these are two important uh, one is nishit desai and associates which is a law firm and mr ashim sood who's the lawyer who actually fought this case for um, you know the whole uh, crypto ecosystem in india in, in terms of the decision um what are some of the immediate cuz i think the immediate impact then basically i mean from the from the outside it seemed like um one uh banking you can you can basically now connect with banking institutions now is that correct yeah that's correct so uh now we do not have to worry about whether banks will allow us in fact what has happened is uh funny we've gotten at least 10 to 15 calls from various banks and fintech institutes every payment processor in the country has started calling up saying they would want to partner so we've gone from everyone running away and not replying to now everyone uh, you know calling us up directly to integrate so yeah <laughs> it's a great turn of events yeah and then uh, cuz i remember uh, you i saw i saw your twitter like you and i haven't talked live since uh, since the decision yesterday yeah i saw you on twitter that like the whole office the whole i watched your office all cheered like you guys were all just super excited when that yeah we haven't we it's like uh, we want to get out the whole banking integration make it live so that we can accept deposits and withdrawals and the team is uh, you know they just don't want to sleep they want to get this done first so yeah i, I was like great <laughs> no need to push anyone <laughs> so completely self motivated i mean i mean th- this is something that you can you know they can go home and tell tell their tell their family about right they're part of this process that was extremely i think painful and long for the last 2 years yeah absolutely i mean one of them even got switched into the office saying uh, you know the hard times of banking is over that's why he would just wanted to distribute sweets in the office so you know <laughs> it's crazy uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, and and I think from a product perspective, when like how how quickly can can Wazirx get integrated with the, with uh, the banks? We have, we have a, we're probably going live today with the deposits, oh, wow. so really fast. And uh, uh, by next week, we intend to bring in uh, instant deposits and withdrawals. Right now, the deposits might take fifteen to twenty minutes or thirty minutes max, but mm-hmm. we want to do it instant. So we have a few uh, other players we've. Uh, speaking to, in mm-hmm. fact, we've already started those integrations as well. So I think mm-hmm. uh, in the next uh, five to ten days, uh, things should be where you can instantly deposit and withdraw anytime your INR from Wazirx. 
Mm-hmm. And and WazDirect is uh, has a a wallet that's shared with finance as well, right? That product was released two weeks ago. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, if people want to deposit their INR and uh, instantly start trading crypto to crypto trading, they can just convert it into USDT and just move it to Binance and start trading. Uh, it's so seamless and they don't have to like, you know, this is usually the way where people uh, use fiat exchanges, eventually go to Binance for uh, heavy duty trading. Now here they can just do it on the Binance properties itself, which is Wazirx and Binance. They are very seamless now. Okay. All right. I don't want to take up too much of your time. I just wanted to add a quick reaction from uh, sort of on the ground and from the company that's in the middle of it all. So again, thank you everyone for listening to the Binance podcast. And then thank you to Shaw and for the great work that you and your team have done over the last two years in terms of helping the community and then also supporting the cause. Uh, thank, thank you, you. brother. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this interview as, as much as I did. If you like this show, please share this episode on Twitter, Facebook, Telegram, WeChat, or any other social media platforms. Please don't forget to subscribe to the Binance Podcast and see you next time.